wonderful. Well, who's a good reader of? I got any ladies that are good readers? You can read and see. Good. Because I got a letter from a lady in prison. Chelsea, you want to read it? Come here. If you would. Pastor Ken will get the mic for you. You need them? No, I won't. Hello, my name is Tara, and I'm reaching out for a church family to support me with my reentry or something. Reentry. I am currently incarcerated at. I don't know what the right term. It's a holding center. Vandalia? Before she gets out, she went from federal prison to this place, this holding center. Okay, Missouri. I have been here since January 2022, but I was in IDOC yeah. before coming here. I have been incarcerated since April 16, 2018. I am from Illinois, but I am home planning, planning to pop a bluff for a fresh, fresh start. I know from experience that the fellowship and the support from fellow believers is needed. I served three years and eight months in IDOC for drug-induced homicide. I was a resident in a rehab Bible training center when the program director asked me to get him drugs. I did. He passed away, and I was charged. The day I was released from IDOC, I came straight to M MDOC due to a probation violation due to the DIH charge. When I come came home in January, I wanted to have a net worth network of believers to help encourage support and guide me please write me your service dates and times along with any other info you feel may help thank you grace and peace be with you amen you can give that to pastor ken he'll read the scriptures for me how many of y'all would say you would be supportive of this young lady i wrote her a letter you can write her if somebody wants to uh, I do have the address to send to her. But she somehow chose our church. Isn't that something? They look it up, I guess, on the Internet. Maybe they get time to be on the Internet or something. But, yeah. But uh, she needs a point of reentry. I was, I love Poplar Bluff, but I was kind of surprised she chose Poplar Bluff. <laughs> As a reentry, I shouldn't laugh about that. But uh, God is directing her steps. The reason is because revival is coming here. Lives are going to be changed here. There's going to be salvations. You know, it's funny, as soon as I laid hands on Zach with all the elders and those at the conference, then... You know, I feel like there's been a greater demand for me in the area of counsel. I've been counseling several people now, and I guess it's the gray hair, a little bit of wisdom, and a fatherly spirit to help people. So it's, it's God has got a shift. 
there's a shift happening. And we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared for the young people that are going to be coming. Zach will be leading worship next Wednesday night at the Fields of Faith. He's been a part of those for how many years? Twelve years? Or seven? More than that. You were in high school when you gave your testimony, weren't you? A junior? Yeah, he's been in this thing for 14, 15 years with the Fields of Faith. And they have sometimes close to a thousand kids out there. Three thousand. Well, I was really undershooting it. That's like on the day of Pentecost, the next day, they showed up at Solomon's porch, and they had more than 3,000, 3,000 men believed. They had more than that. They had probably 20,000 or so, 50,000. I went into the Al-Aqsa Mosque, where that was the place that they called the pinnacle of the temple when the devil tried to tempt Jesus. He you know, he said, throw yourself down. The angels will bear up under you. They'll catch you. And, uh, of course, he's giving him the word right back about not tempting the Lord your God, you know, and so on. But uh, there, that whole mountain top, that, that mount, the holy mount, if you can get 20,000 Muslim men in there with their prayer mats, down on their knees. And that thing only took up a small portion of the Temple Mount. Can you imagine how many people could actually gather on that Temple Mount? You know, I don't know. What do you think? 500,000? Maybe up there? It's amazing. And so there's going to be 3,000, maybe, young people and adults. They're going to come from all over. And uh, they'll be there and hear the testimonies. Zach, I have a powerful influence and anointing for the worship there you know Zach you you were really charged up tonight you know did you notice he was intense and uh, the thought struck me he's going to be preaching with that same intensity and the people are going to come from all over you know an older minister told me one time he said you know if everybody likes to go chase a fire truck to see what what's burning and he said if you'll be on fire they'll come to hear you preach so you know so I'm praying for the fire of God to consume old Zach and, and see what happens you know you can teach preach deliver testify it's all good I've been talking to the folks I'll be ministering to in an upcoming trip. I'll be in Texarkana helping start a new church called Renew Church. The young man's going to, he wants to be under our covering. His dad was, he passed away. Uh, he had a church up, and now the, the uncle has the church there in Pontoon Beach, Illinois, just across the river from St. Louis. We have that. And Richard Jones has been a part of our network. Uh, but Texarkana, Texas side is where they're going to have the church. So we're going to have some more influence in Texas. Then down to Brownsville, Herman is so excited. Uh, they can't hardly stand it. You know, going to go there and have revival. And then James Littleton, 
Sister Virginia, he's excited. He wants to come out and visit. But he, he's got me to come. I'm going to go for two nights. He's got a building that holds about 25 people. So I'm praying that it overflow. He's got about 18, 20 people that come. And uh, so that's going to be a dynamic time. And then I'll go back up to Gonzales, Louisiana, and preach in New Orleans. On the same day, I'm going to preach in two places. But hopefully Saturday before the Sunday, I'm trying to get my wife to fly to, or drive, get somebody to drop her off at St. Louis and on that Friday so she can fly down there on Saturday morning, whatever, Saturday, so that she can fly down and I'll pick her up after I come up the way, you know, through Houston and over. And uh, she can visit her mom, she can be there for the services, and then she can help me drive back. You'd help her? You'd drive her up there? Okay. Well, tell her that when you see her. I might forget because preaching, I get, I get very lost sometimes. But anyway, that'll be uh, an exciting time. She can come be a part of it without missing work and all that good stuff. But we're talking about healing the broken hearts. Tonight we're going to talk about how the healing of the broken heart comes from the, the lies, exposing the lies of the enemy. So, and Pastor Ken, you ready to read with me? He's going to read and I'm going to preach. Luke chapter 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to Amen. proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. That healing of the brokenhearted, I, I've got it down here in my notes around point number six. But that word brokenhearted means in broken into pieces. So when somebody says they have a broken heart, it's like they're fragmented into pieces. You've got to find all the pieces to put it back together. You ever break something and then you like it so well you wanted to glue it back together and you tried to glue it back together and you know that old nursery rhyme Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall Humpty Dumpty had a great fall all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again you know that's really a spiritual nursery rhyme for children to understand spiritual things but it's so true you know that all the pieces get so torn up it's hard to see how they can come back together and be healed for a person to be whole to be able to do what their calling is it's, it's very difficult but uh, 1 John 4 and 6 Pastor Ken we are of God he who knows God hears us he who is not of God does not hear us by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Amen. The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be deceived. He wants you to know the truth. What's the word say? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Make is the word for manufacture. So you shall know the truth of God's word, and it will manufacture your freedom. It will put together 
what you need to have put together to understand how to be free. How many people are bound? I see it all the time. My wife deals with clients who are bound up. There's so much problems in this world. You know, uh, we were talking about how next to BGH or BHG, there where they hand out the methadone. It's in the Mansion Mall Shopping Center, by the way. But they have a machine where you can go buy Narcan, like a soda pop. Why? Because people are overdosing. And, but, you know, the addicts, they believe, hey, if I get this Narcan, I can just go ahead and go all the way to the edge. of, And it's not the glory. You know, what was that movie that just came out not too long ago? It was a remake of Stars Born. What was that gal's name that sang that song, On the Edge of Glory? Lady Gaga. What a name, Gaga. That's something my baby would say. But Lady Gaga sang. She's got a fabulous voice. But she sang On the Edge of Glory. But she's not serving Jesus Christ. What glory is she talking about? I mean, people will push their experience in drugs or anything, you know, to the edge. And if they cross over accidentally, then somebody's there with that Narcan to give you a shot and bring you back down to where you can be alive. You know, it's some unusual, crazy stuff going on out there. Sexually, they do things like hang a noose around somebody's neck, trying to make the sex more emphatic or exciting. It's perverted. It's evil. And it kills people many times. You know, it's crazy stuff. The statement I want to make is this. The Holy Spirit doesn't erase our memories or facts. He doesn't erase it. It's there. But what does it do? He, but he reveals the complete truth by opening the eyes of our understanding. That scripture in Luke 4, 18, 19, you know, the broken heart, healing the broken heart, healing those that are broken into pieces and saying, opening the eyes of the blind. It wasn't just talking about physical blind people. It was talking about spiritually blind people because Jesus told the Pharisees what were they blind guides leading the blind you know uh, the world and even religion will lead people blindly but God through his truth and the Holy Spirit wants us to have our spiritual eyes open to understand what's going on he wants to reveal to you what's happened in your past and then unfold how he was there and he's going to use that testimony for the glory of God. You know, uh, when you have a testimony and you're willing to speak it, then it has no power over you in a negative sense. I'm not saying you should brag. You know, 10 challenge would come to the churches. My brother was a director of two different teen challenges before he became a full-time pastor. And they would go, kind of like Crossroads or John 3.16, John 3.17 or whatever, and they would go to churches. 
and they were raising money and awareness and people would give their testimony and they might get up and say, I had a thousand dollar a day drug habit and that could be true. I mean, they can tell these testimonies. When you tell it, it's out there and now it has no power over you. You're not hiding a secret. I'm not saying you should go tell every detail of every sin you ever committed. But they weren't afraid to And that's the essence of AA, you know. Bill Wilson and the other guy, I don't remember his. Huh? Dr. Bob. Well, they wrote the big blue book, they called it. And it's in the AAs around the world. And they believe, that's why they had them get up and say, I am an alcoholic, because they were admitting their fault. Now, that bothered me a little bit, but I understand the principle. I, I, this is what my fault is. This is where my brokenness is. Now, I want to say I was a, a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. And I am no longer an alcoholic. Or I am no longer a drug addict. You don't have to claim you're something when Jesus Christ has delivered you. But you can get up and say, I was an alcoholic. And they want to say you're always an alcoholic, see. So you can convince yourself and, and all not to ever drink again or whatever. But that's a little bit of a mixture to me. If Jesus Christ delivers you, what do the words say? Whomever the sun sets free is free indeed. So I believe you can be free, and it can, and it will be where there's no hold. Why? Just like I said out of Isaiah 10:27, the anointing will destroy the yoke. It didn't say break the yoke; it said destroy the yoke. Just like a broken heart is broken into pieces, when the anointing gets on somebody, it destroys the yokes. But that destruction didn't mean break it even into pieces. It meant break it up into pieces, crush it into powder, and blow it away as if it never existed. There is no yoke anymore when you've been set free. You don't have to say, I'm an alcoholic. No, there is no alcoholic yoke on me anymore. I'm free. Hallelujah. That's why we believe in the fivefold ministry and I've moved in those circles with many that have apostolic calling and have prophetic calling and when I flowed with other prophets and we laid hands on people to get saved and the power of God I mean touched them it wasn't just I felt a little guilty so I come to the altar and I said a prayer now I'm going back to my seat type thing now, it was where we laid our hands on them, prayed, and the yokes were destroyed off of them. And when they walked out of that place, they were completely different than when they entered. That's why we have to have a prophetic church. <coughs> we have to have prophetic people that can lay hands on people and see the yokes destroyed off of them. Not I do counseling, but... You know, deliverance without counsel or discipleship is just cleaning the house. You can sweep the house. 
my wife loves to sweep our house because we got dogs that live there and those dogs have hair and so we sweep that hair and s put it in the trash can and the and the floors look good again but you know you got to fill the house up you can't just sweep it and have all the furniture gone and now he said that same demon will return with seven others that are even worse that's why sin is progressive somebody then you know a kid may start smoking at 12 years old and end up smoking marijuana and I don't care if it's legal today or not smoking marijuana is destructive to your lungs and it's destructive to your mind now there's a lot of medicines that could be destructive to mine would you agree I mean, after my neck surgery, the doctor, the surgeon, prescribed Soma and Hydrocodone. And I used it for a very short time because you know what? I was like a lily pad. <laughs> I wasn't worth two cents. I was just floating on the wave of the water, watching TV, having a good old time. But I'm going to tell you what your body starts craving that stuff I told the doctor I said I gotta get off this stuff you got and they prescribed a different medicine then they prescribed a different one until you know I have access to a muscle relaxer when I need it but I it's very low and it's oh and I don't have painkillers I take ibuprofen sometimes but I had to get off that hydrocodone man that stuff will play with your mind and it will play with your body. You might start seeing things that aren't there. You know, and to me, that's demonic. You know, you can't be living on that stuff. Now, if you take them, be careful as you take them. <laughs> but you see, the Holy Spirit will reveal the truth, and that's what it's talking about in Luke. See, opening the eyes of your understanding. The Holy Spirit opens up your ability to see. You know, how do you do that? When you come to the throne of God, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 tells us, we obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. You know, and that's when you go to the Lord, He provides with you the grace and mercy you need. And remember, Zach was teaching on 1 Timothy chapter 1. Two weeks ago, I was out of town last weekend, and I watched a little bit of it in the mall I didn't go to church Sunday morning will y'all forgive me for that I was on vacation I went to the the Opryland factory outlet malls I got some new sketchers see cardinal colors hallelujah anyway but I was watching Zach preach in the mall while my wife was in the store looking at shoes so she did get a pair of sandals I don't know if she's watching me I gotta be careful but, you see, he wants to open our understanding. So it's the spiritual eyes. It's not the physical eyes. It's not natural. See, you can't determine your freedom by what you see in the natural. God, the Holy Ghost, goes down inside you and opens you up and shows you those broken pieces. John 16 and 13 says this. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. 
Yeah, when you have the Holy Ghost inside because you got saved. And he he's going, your eyes have been enlightened. You've been, you've been opened up. You ever have those aha moments? You're reading the word or something or somebody's preaching. Says, huh, aha, that's what that is. I've had a lot of people tell me that. They'll come up after, especially traveling. They'll say, man, I never thought about that that way. I never saw that before. And so that's what happens. The Holy Ghost opens the eyes of the understanding to help you to see how to come out of the, the depths and the ditch of the destructive power of your enemy. So he guides you into the truth so you can see how you can become free. And the second point, Ephesians 1, 17 and 18 says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. See, when you start getting your freedom and God starts revealing where you need to be healed, then he allows you to see where your hope is and what your calling might be. See, you know. It's, it's really unique. My father, I've mentioned him. I love him. He was an awesome man of God, but at the same time, he was tormented by the manic depression and schizophrenia that he experienced. He was brilliant, intelligent. He had a memory out of this world, and he could sing out of this world. And so talented. And it's such a travesty that the devil ran him off the spiritual road, so to speak. He didn't get to fulfill the epitome of what he could have done. And so I was the youngest. I was seven years younger than my brother, eight years younger than my sister. They got to see him in his prime ability uh, up till they were about eight and nine years old. When I was one year old, he had a, a terrible breakdown, nervous breakdown, to where he lost his identity and and he started behaving differently and so throughout my whole upbringing he was never able because of the brokenness in his life to give me the role model and the fathering that I needed now I had others make up for it we had uncles uh, and we had a grandfather that was a man's man. He had a sense of humor. He didn't preach. He loved the singing, though. He'd stand by the piano during the altar service while my mom played the piano, and he would sing all the old hymns. He didn't always sing on key. So, uh, you know, if I got any musical talent, of course, my mom could sing harmony and play the piano and the accordion. But I got more of my singing ability from my dad's side which only got a thimbleful. But anyway, I was denied the blessing of having a whole, healthy father. So what does God do? He opens me up. He sends me to places. He sent me to live with my brother two summers. My brother 
wasn't a father, but he, he was like a young father to me. And there were men that I worked for. Then I went from college to work for J.D. Middlebrook in Memphis, Tennessee, who was, he had a degree, a master's in psychology, and plus he was an awesome preacher. And I got some influence through him. Then I went to work for Marvin Gorman. And then from there, I worked for others who had different talents and so on. I worked, uh, I ministered with Ken Summerall quite a bit, and Norman Parrish in Central America, but, you know, Roger West in Mexico, all apostles of the faith. What did God do for me, see? When he opens up your eyes to see, he provides you with mentors and spiritual fathers or spiritual mamas. And when that happens, it's so you can get your healing. I tell Brother Summerall, oh, Brother Summerall, I just want you to lay your hands on me. I need your anointing. And he would laugh. He'd say, oh, ho, ho. He had a booming voice for being a little short man. He said, oh, if you only knew how anointed you are. He said, if I was younger, I'd want you to lay your hands on me. You know what that did? That really boosted my esteem. Didn't make me be prideful, but it, it made me confident when I was with him and around him. He had a confidence in me. He was a spiritual father. So you see, God will provide you with help along with the Holy Ghost so that you can get your pieces back together and you can grow and then help heal other people. And so I believe... I have become a spiritual father not only to my own children, but to many people. Brother Norm calls me almost every day. And he always tells me, you know I'm your oldest son. He's 83 years old. You know, so I said, well, just don't start calling me Daddy Norm. You know, he laughs, he carries on. He, is, he will quote me. It's so funny. Today he was talking to me and he quoted me from like 15, 16 years ago. Something I told him and Margie. He said, we've never forgot that. And we live our ministry life according to that. I said, wow. Man, I didn't know I had that much influence. But there are many that have come under. And why? Because I have been healed and blessed to heal others and to help them. See? So what a, what a glorious thing that is. So he opens your eyes not only to be healed, but to see what your calling is. I was supposed to raise spiritual sons. I didn't know how to do that. That's when I had that fiery baptism when it was three degrees outside, 30 below windchill, and my Uncle Ralph and I walked back to this wind break and, and I, he saw angels I didn't see a thing I was just cold chattering my teeth and it wasn't the Holy Ghost chattering my teeth I was viciously tenaciously frigid and the Lord said go into those woods so I walked into the woods I was like God can I go back to the house there's a fire there's a fire view wood stove back there <laughs> and he said look up and when I looked up I saw the sun and it didn't even hurt my eyes and I felt 
like a lightning bolt struck the top of my head and I felt fire go all the way through my body to the ground. I broke out in a sweat. I wasn't even cold. I stood there. My Uncle Ralph had followed me. He was watching the angels and he followed me into the woods and the Holy Spirit said, reach down and pull that, pick up that limb. It was stuck to the ground. I picked it up and it had a clump of ice like that and when I picked it up, I, I saw these little shoots about the size of the end of my finger, 40 or 50 of them. I said, what's that? He said, my, I said, what's that out loud? My Uncle Ralph was behind me. He said, oh, those are Mayflower shoots. Well, I never even heard of Mayflowers. He said, those are the Mayflower shoots. And the Holy Ghost said, that's your ministry. No, I wasn't going to be a gardener or nurseryman. It was raising up little shoots in the ministry to become one day blossoms as a tree in the kingdom of God. So I said, wow, what an experience that was. You'll have different experiences. You'll be saved. You can get baptized in water. You can be baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's Hebrews chapter uh, 10. I believe. No, 6. Hebrews 6. Then you can have other baptisms. How many of you have ever suffered because people gave you a hard time? Man, I add that to the baptism of suffering. And then you have a baptism of fire and it changes your life completely. You just, whew, I mean... It, it, you're never the same. You can't even be the way you were when you were younger. It's impossible. But see, John, did you read Ephesians 1, 17 and 18? You did, didn't you? Yeah, John 8, 44, number 3. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Yeah. Well, see, he will cause things to happen in your life that affect your emotions. And then he uses it against you, and he lies to you. And he may tell some young person, you're nothing but trash. You're, you're just like your daddy. You know, if you had an alcoholic father, for instance, and somebody said, oh, you're just going to be just like your daddy, you know, town drunk or something. Or you're going to be this way, or you're going to be that way. The devil will lie to you to cause you not to embrace your hope for the calling that God has for you. So your emotions are what's involved that lie to us. You'll get all emotional. And the devil's lying to you in the middle of your emotions. That's why I don't make decisions based on emotions. you got to make choices that are right or righteous. And then your feelings, your emotions will follow. You see, if you make your decisions according to your emotions, whoo, man. Anyway. The Holy Ghost has to expose the lies that 
the devil used in your emotions. Number four, Genesis 3, 5 says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, see, they were not supposed to eat Adam and Eve from the fruit of the tree of God, good and evil. So, see, they could eat of any of the other trees. But there's just one. And yet, the devil said, why, why don't you want to eat? Then you'll be equal to God. You'll know what God knows. Well, as soon as they ate of it, they realized they were naked. And then they felt guilty. And they felt sinful. And so then, well, there were the only ones there, too. So, and they belonged to each other. So it was all right. But it's beautiful. There was no bad weather. There was no bad climate. It's awesome. But the devil came to Eve because women, ladies, would you admit that sometimes you're more emotional in many ways than men are? Women got so many feelings. Uh, how do I know that? I'm married to one. <laughs> and I have trespassed on her feelings at times. And she would get upset. And uh, All I said was the truth. You know, I had to learn to watch what I said. She'd make something to eat when we first got married. And she'd say, how did you like it? Well, yeah, it filled me up. She said, did you like it? I said, oh, God, you know. I was taught never to lie. I got to tell you, I didn't like it that much. So you don't have to make it anymore. She'd get her feelings hurt so bad. But, you know, if I didn't tell her the truth, she was going to keep making it. And if it wasn't that good, I would have to eat it for eternity. You know? Now, I know Danielle's a good cook. Zach's probably never told her that he didn't like something that she made. You know, Lucia became a very good cook. When we first got married, I cooked more than she did. She made great tacos and black beans and rice with sausage. And she could make breakfast. But, you know, I made, I was a bachelor for years. I made stuff in the crock pot. I made, I could make you a casserole out of broccoli, cauliflower, and blue cheese or cream of cheese and also with some uh, cheddar cheese in it and American cheese layered on top. I mixed it all with rice and then I baked it in the oven until it had a little golden crisp, just a little bit on top. That makes me hungry right now because it tasted so good. Man, I could make a mean tuna casserole with tuna fish and I'd throw in a can of uh, you know, mushroom soup with the noodles and then bake it. That's good. I'm very hungry right now. <laughs> I have to admit my weakness. But anyway, I was too honest, I guess. But you see, that's the thing. You know, the devil will use the emotions to hurt somebody. It's like, don't ask me, 
don't answer me that. <laughs> Please. Because my mama taught me to clean my plate no matter what it was, you know. But uh, number five, we must see with our spiritual eyes and not just our natural eyes. Or else you're going to mess it. You won't get your healing if you don't see it with your spiritual eyes. Number six, the broken heart, broken into pieces, must be healed by the Holy Spirit's truths. See, the Holy Spirit's going to show you the truth. He's going to show you what was wrong, why it happened, how that all developed, you know, so that you'll learn not to go that way again, not to fall into those traps anymore. So the broken heart must be healed because of the truth. Now, traumatized people, number seven, traumatized people don't remember what exactly happened to them. So they need help. Would you all agree with that? When somebody is traumatized, they don't always remember the whole event. They just know they were whammed. It's like getting hit by a car. You didn't see it coming. It hit you. Your car is totaled. You don't, don't know what went wrong. But you just feel fortunate if it didn't kill you. Yeah, and you have to figure it out. And that's the way the enemy, he comes and he pounds you and the trauma occurs and you're not sure why or what, how come, how did I get in that circumstance or that situation and it happened. So, number eight, the injuries are not erased but they are overwritten by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? He rewrites your chapter. So you have a trauma, you've got issues that need to be fixed, but the Holy Ghost writes a new ending to it. He overwrites your trauma with his hand, and then you see, well, you know what? I might have been hurt, but I wasn't killed. And the Holy Spirit preserved me and saved me, and because of that, now I have a little more grace and mercy for others that are facing circumstances and I can help others because I've been there before. So you know what? I don't have to be there again except for I'm going to go in like Jude said. And some, you reach into the brands burning and you pull them out. Some you can save. Some you can't. So God uses the overriding of his spirit in your life to bring about your calling so that, that trauma is not wasted but God uses it. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. It's some deep stuff. Romans 8, 26 through 28. Likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray wherefore as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Boy, I can get excited. I could preach a whole message just from that right there. 
and run up and down the aisle. Because I'm telling you, he searches the hearts. Isn't that what it says? He searches the hearts. The Holy Spirit's got a spotlight. He's going in your heart. He's finding all those blemishes and flaws and problems and fragments that you've been wounded from. And he's showing how they need to be cemented together. You know, so he can put it back together again. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Amen. He works in you for his good pleasure. He's not doing this work just so you can lollygag and lay around on the couch. He's working in you to cause you to have something that the world wants and needs. They just don't know it sometimes. But number nine is he searches our hearts to help get out the bad so that he can allow us to understand and know what's good. You know, a lot of people had a bad relationship before. And I don't want the cameras on these people, but I just want to ask if you'll put your hand up like this. If you have gone through a divorce, there's a few. Well, we know not only in the world it's more than 50%, but also in the church world. Divorce, couples, more than 50%. You know? Well, if they don't get healed, if they don't get any revelation of the lies of the enemy, how are they going to be able to stay married, you know? Most of the time, that's what it is. It's not that you've got always a bad wife or a bad husband. Sometimes that's true. They just don't want anything. They don't want to do the right thing. So, but, and it's out of your control. But you still need to be healed if you went through it. And most of the people I think that raise their hand have, a lot of them have been remarried. So, it's awesome what God does. He restores us to know the good. Sometimes you can't know the good unless you understand your eyes were open to what was bad. Why would anybody want a bad person again or bad situation? Yeah. People, they're like, I must be a magnet for the wrong person. You know, they start feeling that way. Well, that's not the case. You don't have to be. Let the eyes of your understanding be opened. Hallelujah. Yeah. John 14, verse 16 through 18. We're about to wrap this up. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen. How many of y'all are saved and you know it? Say amen. amen. How many of y'all have the Holy Ghost? Say amen. amen. How many of y'all feel like you've been delivered and restored? Say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Good. That'll preach right there. Well, you have a direct access to the Lord's work inside you. By the Holy Spirit. So many people, uh, 
Pastor Kevin, please pray. I'll be traveling. People come up to me, well, what can I pray for you? I just want to know God's will. I feel like I'd like to dump some cold water on them or something, shake them up. Yeah. You want to know God's will? Well, are you saved? Are you filled? Have you been healed? Are you delivered? Are you recovered? Well, if you're not, I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray and destroy those hoes over you. Otherwise, you're saved so that you can be a worshiper. Zach wrote an 88 or 89, 90-page dissertation for his master's on worshiping God in spirit and truth. Zach, when are you going to make a book out of that? Someday? <laughs> He's going to wait till he's 50. No, not that long. Huh? I waited till I was 50, and then I'm still going. I've got about four books started, and I've not finished any of them. But I will. I'm, I'm purposing that 2023 is my year for the books. They may be online books. Who knows? However, not everybody reads paper books anymore. I do. I like them. I like to hold them. I like good books. I got a whole library full of books. I don't know who's going to get them when I pass. You know, my kids probably won't even be reading books then. You know, they'll be reading just off the Internet or hearing the book online in their ear with a good voice. Anyway, but we have direct access to the Lord by the Holy Ghost inside of us. Yeah, man, He can tell you what you need to know. You can tune in, amen? Isn't that worthy and awesome? It is. It's something else. It's wonderful. Glory to God. And uh, I can make a copy of this. Fran, I think you wanted a copy to write this girl. And I don't know if anybody else wants to. But that'd be great if she got a letter or two from some people that go to church here. She'll know that God really does love her. I just wrote her a short letter and said, yeah, that's good. Here's our service times, and we'll be waiting for you. Okay. But the, the bottom line is this. Don't fear the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Let him pour in that spiritual concrete and make you firm again. Make you complete. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. You are an awesome and a mighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, allow your truth to settle into the hearts of these that are here. Open up their minds and their emotions to receive your truth so that they can make the changes according to the hope of the calling of God in their lives. Hallelujah. That they got something to look forward to. They got something that they can do for your kingdom and bless them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And if there's things in there you want to reveal and the lies that are in there, open up their minds to see it and expose it to the truth so that they can be free. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Hallelujah. And uh, 